Hi everyone, my name is Greta and I'm super excited to welcome you to the first episode of the EcoThreads podcast, where we explore sustainability and its intersections with different social movements and issues. Before we get started with today's episode, which as you can see from the title is about animal agriculture, I want to provide a brief introduction about who I am and why I'm starting this podcast. I'm currently a junior in high school and at my school every student is a part of a specific academy which is kind of like a college major spanning from computer science to visual arts. I'm in the Academy of Business and Finance so I've taken a variety of courses regarding marketing, finance, economics, etc. Now you might spot the irony of someone who is passionate about sustainability and also business given how many current business practices are destroying the environment. And trust me, that's something I've noted too. But what I think is often overlooked about the intersection of, say, economics and sustainability is that sustainability is a key goal of economic policy. And these economic policies are a worthwhile avenue to address the issues of climate change because of their ability to incentivize individual consumers and businesses to minimize their carbon footprint, for example. So essentially what I'm getting at is that things that might not seem related are often interconnected in interesting ways. And thus, my fascination with all things interdisciplinary has ultimately led me to want to create a podcast where I could explore how all sorts of social issues and movements intersect with sustainability, which is an area I'm incredibly passionate about. But before I get too carried away, I want to say a little bit more about who I am and my knowledge of sustainability. I'm not an environmental scientist or policymaker or anything, but in my own way, I've tried to educate myself as much as possible regarding environmental issues. I've taken a lot of electives in school about climate change, sustainability, and even a course on veganism in my freshman year. And I can honestly attribute a lot of my passion for the environment to that class, which opened my eyes to how many current practices in the animal agriculture industry are deteriorating our environment in innumerable ways. And in that class, I watched documentaries like Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy, which I highly recommend, that completely shifted my perspective. And just weeks into the course, I stopped eating meat, and a few months after that, I was completely vegan. Now, I want to make it clear that this podcast does not exist to make anyone feel guilty or that they should be doing more, but merely to educate people, myself included. There's so much that I don't know about how sustainability is connected with literally everything, and I feel that through the research I do for each episode, I can become a better and more well-rounded environmentalist. As for what I do in my spare time, I play a lot of tennis, um, or a little bit of tennis. I listen to a lot of music. I'm a bit of a vinyl lover, so I would say I have a pretty decent collection. Some of my favorite bands include The Smashing Pumpkins, Green Day, The Beatles, of course, Radiohead, Soundgarden, The Smiths, and The Strokes, a lot of S names. I also love thrifting, so I'm definitely a bit of a vintage enjoyer, but of course it's also for the environment. And then I really love reading and writing, primarily nonfiction. So while I love a good, you know, English class read, I also love reading books that tell me more about the world and my community. Some of my favorites include Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis, which I highly, highly recommend, Freakonomics by Stephen Levitt and Stephen J. Dubner, and also Medical Apartheid by Harriet A. Washington. As for writing, I occasionally write some poetry, although I don't think I'm very good, um, but I mainly like writing journalism articles for my school's newspaper and sort of research papers. Not that I'm some fancy academic or anything. 
Um, but I am in the IB program at my school, which stands for International Baccalaureate, and it's essentially a form of a, an international form of AP. And one of the requirements is that we write an extended essay, which is a 20-page assertion about any topic of our choosing. And unsurprisingly, the research question that I'm exploring is how do U.S. federal agriculture subsidies on corn and soy exacerbate greenhouse gas emissions by incentivizing unsustainable agriculture practices. It's a topic I'm really fascinated about and it actually makes for a great transition into what this episode is about. I felt that it made sense to start my podcast with a topic I'm very familiar with. So this episode will specifically look at evaluating the animal agriculture industry from both an environmental and economic perspective. To begin, the animal agriculture industry is a type of agriculture concerned with the raising of animals for the production of dairy, meat, eggs, and other animal products. And according to the USDA, it's a $160 billion a year industry. The industry is fueled by the production of commodity crops like corn and soy, which are fed to massive amounts of livestock raised for consumption. The USDA also reports that a whopping 32% of calories consumed by Americans come from animal products. But what exactly is the problem with this? Aside from the massive health issues that plague our healthcare industry, which I'll talk about later, there are massive environmental consequences to this production. For a start, it was reported that in 2020, the agriculture industry made up 11% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. While that might not sound like much compared to the 27% of the transportation industry, keep in mind that the animal agriculture industry is responsible for 44% of methane emissions and 53% of nitrous oxide emissions. We often hear about carbon dioxide emissions, and not to say that they aren't significant, because they certainly are. But methane traps 21 times more heat in the atmosphere, worsening the greenhouse effect, leading to warmer temperatures, and nitrous oxide traps 310 times more heat. So while the agriculture industry might not be the largest contributor to overall greenhouse gas emissions, it is responsible for a significant portion of some of the most potent greenhouse gases. Keep in mind though, that greenhouse gas emissions are just one part of the problem. Raising livestock uses a ton of resources, much more than it takes to grow fruits and vegetables known as specialty crops. While almonds get a lot of heat for using a lot of water, it takes 23 gallons for one serving of water compared to 660 gallons for one hamburger and 900 gallons to produce an 8-ounce steak, according to the Water Footprint Network. So that's not to say that everyone is entitled to gulp massive glasses of almond milk, but clearly meat products and dairy too are a larger contributor to water usage. As for land usage, 46% of the world's habitable land is used for agriculture, with 77% of that being used for meat and dairy production, despite that animal agriculture produces less than 20% of the world's calories. So from an efficiency economic perspective, this is a massive waste of resources that could be dedicated to plant-based food, which accounts for 82% of the global calorie supply. If this land and these crops were instead used to feed humans instead of animals, we could certainly make a dent in the world hunger issue. Furthermore, to get this land, massive areas of biodiversity and forests that supply much of the world's oxygen must be cleared, with 80% of global deforestation resulting from clearing lands to produce livestock feed and raise cattle. And that's just getting started with the massive consequences of the animal industry. If you're interested, I'd encourage you to research ocean dead zones, bottom trawling, which occurs due to the fishing industry, and habitat and species loss. 
But did you know that this environmental destruction is essentially being incentivized by our government? The U.S. government provided farms with $28.5 billion in subsidies in 2021, which are direct payments to farmers that lower their production costs and thus encourage an over-allocation of resources to the production of those commodity crops, corn and soy, that I mentioned earlier. These subsidies began in the 1930s to boost crop prices after World War I, and have been a major area of government spending ever since. The goal of these subsidies is mainly to stabilize crop prices, support farmers, and make meat and other staple food products more affordable to consumers. But like every form of economic policy, it of course has its pitfalls. As I mentioned, the reduced prices of commodity crops encourage crop producers to overproduce. This enables livestock producers to purchase animal feed at a lower price, which incentivizes them to increase their spending on corn and soy. The resulting price reductions of meat now incentivize consumers to increase their consumption of meat, furthering the environmental degradation that we previously discussed. Not to mention, the increased consumption of red meat and other animal products is largely responsible for causing much of the heart disease and cancers contracted in the United States, which then overburdens our healthcare system. Heart disease alone costs the U.S. government $219 billion each year, according to the CDC. So just imagine what would happen instead if we subsidized fruits and vegetables the same we did corn and soy. Instead of directly increasing the percentage of people with chronic diseases, we could increase people's access and ability to afford healthy foods, particularly those who are low income, which would have positive effects on the environment and the healthcare system. While it might seem like this is a system that can't be fixed, we have the power, as the future government officials and leader of the world, to make decisions to change these subsidies to work in our favor. But as these large-scale changes might still be far away, I want to end this episode with some ways you can help lessen the harmful environmental effects of animal agriculture, as well as provide some resources so you can become more informed of these issues. The most effective way to reduce your carbon footprint in terms of the animal agriculture industry is to eat fewer animal products and increase your consumption of plant-based foods. For some people, they might feel motivated and able to go completely vegan or vegetarian, but for others, it might be meatless Mondays or eating a meat or dairy-free meal a couple of times per week. I was super fortunate to be able to go completely vegan as a teenager, but this is obviously not feasible for everyone given their culture, resources, family, and dietary needs. Limiting your consumption of animal products a little bit at a time is already amazing progress because if everyone did this, the effects of climate change would be noticeably less severe. As for educational resources, I highly recommend some of the documentaries I mentioned before, like Forks Over Knives, which is free on Tubi, and covers how converting a plant-based diet can eliminate the risks of cancer and other diseases. If you're more into the environmental side, I'd recommend Cowspiracy and Seaspiracy on Netflix, which are about the environmental impacts of animal agriculture and the fishing industry, respectively. I also love the book Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver, which documents a family's attempt to eat only locally grown food for a year. They don't follow a plant-based diet, but it's super informative about the benefits to eating locally and its environmental impacts. Also, a little shameless plug here, but I do have an account on Instagram at a new beginning where I post anything from infographics about animal agriculture, environmentalism, and animal rights to vegan recipes and restaurant reviews, so be sure to check it out. 
Now to finish up this episode, I want to say thank you so much for listening, and I hope you got something out of it, whether it be something new you learned, something you want to research, or a new practice or perspective you're going to take with you into your daily life. I hope to see you again soon for my next episode, which will cover climate-induced migration and its impact on employment and equality. See you next time.